We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Bruno Guimaraes, obviously. But also, what about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I personally, Charlotte, love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force between Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash truefaith, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash truefaith now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash truefaith. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast, Newcastle beat Crystal Palace by four goals to nil at St. James's Park. It was comfortable. It was almost too easy at times as Newcastle found themselves 3-0 up at halftime. What a day, what an afternoon, and what a perfect way to go to Borussia Dortmund at home this Wednesday at St. James's Park, where we have the chance to move much closer to Champions League qualification. I'm Alex, I have Sai, Charlotte and John Lane with me for this podcast today. We're on Patreon, it's between three and eight pounds a month. Come and join us, support this podcast and get loads more of this type of thing in your ears as we build up to Borussia Dortmund at home and beyond. It's a great time to be a Newcastle United fan, it's an even better time to be a patron. Not sure that's true, but it sounds, <laughs> sounds good in my head. Newcastle are fifth in the league at the time of recording. They've scored more goals than anyone else in the Premier League. They have a higher expected goals than anyone else in the Premier League. More shots in target in the box. Bigger shot conversion rate. Bigger chances scored. Bigger chance conversion rates. Newcastle are absolutely class at the minute. They can't stop scoring. They can't stop winning. Sai, were Crystal Palace that bad yesterday? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think the default position when, when a game feels that easy is to go, they were terrible, weren't they? 
But I think based on the stats you've just read out, you're right. We've got to start giving the lads credit for being mint. Crystal Palace were terrible, yes, but we made them look terrible. They're a decent side, they're top 10. They were only one point behind us before yesterday. I don't know how, by the way, but they were. <laughs> and they were missing some key players to their, to their defence. Uh, but I feel like Roy Hodgson came with a plan of, right, contain Newcastle, see if we can st- stay in this game. That went out the window when we scored so early. And yes, mm. <laughs> a bit of fortune about that goal, which I'm sure we'll come on to, but... They didn't then seem to have a plan B, like, all right, we're 1-0 down, we'll try and hang on. But we just sort of carved them open and just created chance after chance after chance. And there was this weird thing where they were kind of letting our defence have the ball. And then it's like, lascelles has got it right, just leave them with it, just leave Lascelles with the ball. And they were doing that at 1-0, but they were also doing it at 3-0. And it's like, lads, you've got to do something to try and win this game. But as I said, um, against a team that are meant to be hard to break down, against a team that don't concede many goals... We just we could have scored way more than four yesterday. We were carving them open with a with a freshly um, sharpened knife, Ooh. and it was just it was too much. Like I think we need to start giving Eddie Howe and the team way more credit for beating teams who may not be very good, but they're still Premier League teams, and we're we're blowing them out of the water. Yeah, Crystal Palace are not a newly promoted team that are sort of struggling to get on their feet in the Premier League. Crystal Palace are a relatively you know they have they sort of sit in that mid table area typically or, or they might struggle some seasons but they're, they're a Premier League team and they're not a bad Premier League team as I said they were only a point or, or two or something but behind us when we when we um kicked off that game yesterday and I think we were all expecting it to be a bit harder we played them last season and you know season to season I know that teams can change but they, do, they, don't, they don't like without wholesale sort of personnel changes they don't change that much we've just got better I genuinely think we've just got better we know how they're going to play and you know for all this talk um earlier in the season at the beginning when we when we were you know we didn't win those three games for all this talk of like have we been found out do, do teams know how to break us down or do teams know how to frustrate us at home well, maybe for a bit, and then we just sort of fix that problem. Yeah, we we just we just know how to deal with a team that's going to play in a, in a reasonably negative way, as we expected Crystal Palace to. Yeah, and I think yesterday the biggest thing for me was routine, wasn't it? Like it was just it was just it was one of those games where you thought we could turn up if we get an early goal, it can go our way, mm. and boy, didn't it? And I think. In that first half, we were trying, we were trying, we were trying, and, and I was I was starting to think, is it going to be one of those games where we don't get the second goal and then they get one back? And then the 44th minute kicks in and all of a sudden the jeopardy's gone. Um, and we just didn't do that enough last year, um, but we're doing it this year. Um, we're scoring goals, we're more clinical than we were. Uh, we're XG the highest in the league. We've scored more goals and we're XG. For me, on paper, that says we've dealt with the biggest problem that we had last year, which is we weren't converting more chances. Mm-hmm. And even though Anthony Gordon misses what, you know, probably a bit of a sitter um you know we still score four goals yesterday um and we're still just doing what we need to do he responded to that pretty quickly absolutely Um, yeah so i'm okay with it yeah john i I like the point you make there about the improvement charlotte as well we'll play crystal pass home well in fact three times last year home and win didn't score a goal against them and that was probably a worse version of crystal palace under patrick vieri it's it's commonly accepted they've improved under hodgson before this game I think it was three clean sheets in a row for them the last away game was a, was a win at Old Trafford this this game yesterday is is kind of one of the it falls into the classic group of games that I think are supposed to be tricky it's supposed to be hard it's supposed to be well Palace will come and give you a game you might win you might get a point but it's supposed to test you it's supposed to really make you work hard and it just wasn't that and 
easy for me to say this, but in the first goal helps massively. But such was Newcastle's dominance and such was the ease of the victory that I almost feel if we hadn't got that early goal, the result still would have been the same and probably the scoreline might have been similar. If you consider that far, like you say, John, the, the game's over in the 44th minute as a contest, if it wasn't already. And in the second half, Newcastle take off all of their best players and they they kind of waltz through in second gear. Mm-hmm. And in terms of setting up a crucial Champions League game, it's it's just perfect. So before the season starts, Newcastle have two major things to try and improve on, I feel, from last season. We talked about a lot in this podcast, but number one was... Um, can you start beating the bottom 10 more convincingly at home? Well, we're doing that so far. Uh, and can you manage three games a week? When Newcastle have shown since the last international break, emphatically so, they can manage three games a week, even with a series of injuries that would debilitate most sides. Another really positive aspect of it was that Newcastle yesterday played at different intensities, at different parts of the game. Mm. And, and I feel yesterday when Crystal Palace raised their game, Newcastle responded immediately. So Crystal Palace are terrible in the first 30. Newcastle are 1-0 up. And then as we go on, as we get closer to half-time, Palace come into the game a bit more. Newcastle kind of have a few half chances or big chances in, in, in the sense of Gordon when he hits the bar. But because Palace, as we got closer to half-time, thought we've got a chance here, we need to try and get back into the game before half-time. Bang, two goals. Palace's actual best spell of the game was just before the fourth goal when they had a series mm-hmm. of corners. Yeah. Nick Pope makes a smart save, which leads to the goal. It almost feels like we're that calibre of side now that we have seen for so many years playing against, that as soon as you have, like, basically the most dangerous spell for you in a game as a bad team is when you're playing well because the other team have to respond and basically want to put the game to bed. And that ability to move through the gears, again, I feel is different to last season. And last season was very much, I put a tweet out pre-game saying, give me Burnley at home today. Just don't have to think about it. Job done, clean sheet, move on. But we got better than that. And someone, very funny to me, tweeted back saying, I prefer it with Spurs at home. (laughs) <laughs> but we're five up after 21 minutes. And, and I suppose that's right. But that was Newcastle last season. It was almost like not feast or famine because they're very good, but they, they blew teams away or they struggled to break them down. Yeah. There wasn't loads in between. Yeah. I feel like they've developed as a side here that, that essentially are, are they're kind of four or five different sides in one because they're so, so good. I think as well, uh, if we're talking about um, improvement from season to season, that improvement doesn't just look like moving up the table or getting out of the group stage of um it it does look like those things but this is exactly what we're talking about isn't it maybe the results like where we were this time last season we're one point down or whatever it is it's it's not just about that it's about these games it's about it's about being able to prove that that you've learned from from these sorts of games last season and being able to put them to bed as easily as we did so it's it's really positive very positive indeed. Okay, we'll leave it there for, for part one of the show. A uh, couple of adverts coming up if you want to listen to this podcast advertisement-free or without me even referencing adverts. Uh, come and join us on Patreon. It's only £2.50 a month for that tier of our extra service. Back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Part two of the show, and I think we have to reference that almost outside of the fan base um, in terms of national media coverage yesterday was the Sandro Tonali uh, story developing situation and the will will he, won't he play kind of became the national story, whereas most Castle fans were just, you know, really interested in the game and getting three points. But Charlotte, um, you, you're really interested in how that all developed and how Newcastle reacted to that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's been a nightmare week for Newcastle United, right? It's Sandro Tonali, like, that is the cloud over the club. This, um, we don't know how long he's going to get if he gets a ban. His legal representatives are pushing for an early resolution, but we don't know if that was going to be his last game or will he play again? Like, we, we just don't know. He doesn't know. The club don't know. And then in the background as well, there's been an HMRC um, filing, like, a, a, a we're taking HMRC to court. Um, and then also, much lower down the pecking order, Miguel Almiron lost his driving license. <laughs> 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 Potentially, like, bad, it's all bad yeah. PR, right? It's, yeah. all, or, or it's all tricky PR to kind of master. And the thing that I found really interesting and good and enjoyable about yesterday was how previous Newcastle United kind of would have just gone into meltdown or there just would have been a disjointed, there would have been an effect on the pitch, there would have been an effect on... Um, in the crowd there would have been there would have been something like we've we've been through this before where um what was the season where we got um we got raided yeah it was like the week of the promotion right so it's like it's like all these good things and then it's and then and then and then something terrible and and because we didn't have the infrastructure because we didn't have the kind of the we had a a skeleton staff or, or or that's what we we all believe um we didn't have it wasn't solid the foundation wasn't solid, so the club was just a mess, and it was just embarrassing. And you, as a fan, were kind of embarrassed. Everything was just a bit shit. <laughs> um, and that was not the feeling yesterday. It wasn't the feeling from the from the um, uh, team, from the management, from um, from the crowd. It was just this incredible feeling of unity. Um, and I don't want to sound trite or like you know fairy tale about it, it but it, it really was something very special to be part of. Seeing Sandro Tonali come on in the 69th minute and everybody everybody on their feet when he's just warming up and singing this song and then having him walk they do their sort of pitch walk when we win and applaud the supporters and as he got to the Gallagher Eddie Howe had moved him um forward from the rest of the squad and he so he was he was front and center and everybody was singing his name Mm. like you just 
I just don't think you would have got that if even even a few years ago people have been like fuck this like I'm leaving before full time even with a win like it's like what like the club have fucked up again they've done this thing they've they've brought this guy in and they should have known whereas now everybody knows or every, I think everybody knows that the due diligence was done and enough sort of uh, smoke and mirrors was used if AC Milan did know and if not this man's been hiding a horrible secret and it, and it's all been very unpleasant for him and everybody knows that the club did their best and are going to do their best for this guy and I thought that was just very special yesterday there's a, there's a previous manager who I rarely talk about who <laughs> would have had all of those things you've described ready as excuses for why yeah, that game went terribly mm-hmm. um, but great you're right point. the weird thing about the crowd yesterday is because it was a crystal palace and it it kind of could have had the feel of Brentford and Burnley where it's just kind of like it's not as as bouncing as as it can be for, mm-hmm. for the bigger games now because we do now have bigger games and then just run We've got the to keep our games. energy um, but there was a, a different atmosphere yesterday it was really positive really really like buzzing for a Saturday three o'clock as well um and the tonali thing was probably part of it there was like i've never known zero grumbling zero negativity zero like not one person saying oh fuck off that wasn't good enough or yeah misplaced passes weren't being criticized everyone was like on the same side and i don't know if the tonali thing is is part of that maybe i'm reading too much into it but it was really it, it was a really strangely positive crowd despite the fact that um i mean an early goal and the fact that we're winning at a canter it probably helps but it was just it just had that really nice positive energy and yeah that the tonali thing which is funny that he's getting so much attention when Jacob Murphy's just scored and <laughs> two assists and just get one song. We need to, we need to work on that. Yeah, but yeah, do. it was it was a, a really nice feeling and, and I feel like Tonali got it and he's just getting a great big cuddle from fifty two thousand people, isn't he? He needs that, I think. He this is this is gonna be a really difficult time for him and I'm really pleased that the that the sort of rhetoric coming out of the club as well is so positive about him, is that we're here for him. We're going to get him the help that he needs. He's part of this club. We've mm. brought him in. He's only 23. He's a very talented footballer. Yes, we could. I would have loved to have seen him play this season and really bed in with how we, uh, the style of our play and, and, and see what he could do to sort of elevate or, you know, keep us at this sort of level. But that's okay. He's He's got time. He's going to be okay. And I really like that the club have sort of said that. They've been fairly matter of fact about it. We're just, we're behind him. And to your point, Si, I, I, I really enjoyed, like, after we brought on the, we made that sort of massive substitution in the sort of 60 or 70 minutes, there were some more opportunities, which I think you referenced in part one, Alex, for Crystal Palace to kind of get, I mean, it's it's been kind to say get back into the game, but um, some slightly, you know, as these midfielders, et cetera, um, made some slightly bad passes or like it wasn't as tight in the midfield once we'd once we brought um our sort of class lads off but nobody was like oh for fuck's sake like nobody was like yeah. that it's just like it's confidence and it's comfort that we doesn't matter if they pick up the ball because they're not going to do anything with it and we're just going to cope i think a key thing as well in terms of how the atmosphere was on the ground if you look at how um eddie howe addressed it in his press conference and look He's, the guy's a master at it, isn't he? He's, he's an absolute master when it comes to the presser. He knows what to do. He knows what to say. Um, but he said it before. Sai, what would the previous manager have done? You know, he probably would have thrown the player under the bus. Well, he's mm. been a naughty boy. and <laughs> You know, well, that's it, isn't it? He's and, really let the lads down. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and actually, all the messaging was, no, we're behind him. He's here for the future. This is what's happened. Um, and I think that really helped. And, you know, the fact that, you know, the fans, uh, as always, got behind, got behind the player. 
Um, and he clearly appreciated that and got very emotional, didn't he? But it's not as always. Like it, it like five, ten years ago, we we might not have. It's a and, fair point. And that's what's that's <laughs> the thing that I really like. This stuck out to me. It's it's not as always. It's, it does feel like there's been a sea change, and it does feel like this is a this is a new. I know we've all talked about this new generation. It really does feel like it. There would have at least been a split opinion. Right. People arguing in the stands right. about whether or not we should be. But whereas that was 52,000 people all on the same page, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Jacob Murphy uh, brought into the team yesterday. A bit of a surprise selection and two assists and a goal. John, you're pretty happy with his performance. Yeah. Um, I think Adam Winneritten was the only person that called that Murphy might play um, in, the, in the preview. Kudos. Um, absolutely. But. I think Jacob Murphy encapsulates what um, the success post-takeover has been uh, for Newcastle. This is a player that we signed in 2017 when we'd just been promoted. Um, didn't really have a look in um, in that second season. I think he was farmed out on loan at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, really had to fight to kind of just get his way back in. But even then, he was on he was on the outskirts of the squad. And this is a player who I think who, he's come in, he's thought, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and just get my head down and listen to what the new manager is telling me to do. And it's amazing what a bit of coaching, but also hard work from a player can do. He's absolutely bought into the message, isn't he? He's bought into this. If we all put in, if we all try our best, I'll do whatever I'm asked to do. I mean, I can't remember what game it was, but where he, he was subbed off and he was like laughing that he was being subbed off. Because, because he'd he, been subbed on and then yeah. subbed off again. Yeah, yeah. And Is that Brentford? But he understood, didn't he? He got why it was happening. And, yeah. I, and I think that for me, that's the, that's the key thing. Like he totally buys into the message and... His performance yesterday was excellent. I mean, his assist uh, for Wilson's goal was absolutely on point. I'm not going to say it was up there with Willicks because Willicks last year against Spurs was sensational. I but think I said exactly that on Patreon last night, to be fair. Yeah. But. <laughs> but it was but it was pretty good. Let him have it. And, you know, he had a similar one for Harvey Barnes at the start of the season, um, you know, against Villa as well. So I, I just think he's really improved as a player. Um, and it just shows you what, you know... If you, have, if you have a head coach that can actually coach, it shows you what you can actually produce, doesn't it? What I love about Murphy is how much fun he's having. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he, <laughs> there, are, there are serious players, you Sven Botman, you would say Russian Arnie, they don't really crack a lot of smiles, that's okay. they just there to do their job. But Jacob yeah. Murphy is like, what am I doing here? This is class. Like, And you see him making jokes, apparently he's the joker of the of the changing room and you see him on the NUFC video going back into the tunnel and he's counting out the goals and he's just loving it. And I love that for him. Like this should be fun. And I, I just enjoy it a lot. I think that Murphy's development is really interesting because he's a player that was deemed championship standard before how came in. And the, the, the fact that how has like a resource like Jacob Murphy to call upon when he needs to and, and be able to give that output is, is, is massive, you know, Big clubs need big squads, but there's a difference between having a big squad and having a kind of squad of players that can all actively contribute when called upon. Um, how in the post-match press conference wasn't asked, well, he was asked about Murphy, but he was asked a question about Anthony Gordon, and he said, we expect him to score. It's great that he's got us through the season, but we expect him to score. And I go back to, maybe go back to the season before, or, or before last season, when conversations about what any Cass United need to, to do to improve under how they need to keep their excellent defensive record that they've developed under him since he came in, but they don't score enough goals, particularly across the front three with Anderson Maximin. Callum Wilson was, was kind of injury prone. We haven't signed Isak yet. Miguel Moran didn't score goals and that was kind of seen as the problem. How has absolutely transformed that, not just with the signing of Isak and the signing of Gordon and Barnes, I believe, who was signed specifically to score goals in that position because he doesn't get many assists. The fact that Almiron um, 
and the fact that Murphy can now be relied upon for goals and assists is just it's just a tool that most Premier League managers would absolutely kill for. And you're right to reference the quality yesterday of what Murphy did in in that assist, and you know the goal was was lucky, but also the goal was lucky. But then you are giving an opposition player like a free hit at the ball um, nine yards from goal at the end. Like like if if you give players if he's good enough to get in that position and Trippy is good enough to make the the pass, which he is bad things will happen to you as an opposition if you continue to allow good players into those positions. So just just a massive boost for how and us as fans to have a player like Murphy who can not just come in and try hard and press and get back in and do all those things that kind of think traditionally fans have praised him for and provide a bit of light humour. Actually, when you play for Newcastle United, particularly in a four position, you are expected to contribute in goals and assists and he did that and it's a massive bonus. Sai, it kind of feeds into the the point that you want to talk about that once again we are seeing contributions of an extraordinary nature from the non-class lads as we call them <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well we'll talk about whether or not they're class or not but yeah you're right uh, just just to sum up on Murphy like and this is the, the point I want to make about them all really is that we've worked out what he's good at and we've always known he's easy Rafa literally said to us we bought him because he can run but that's what his job is now like it's like okay what are you good at you are good at running and you've got loads of energy so I want you to keep making runs I want you to stretch defences I want you to make space I want you to drag defenders away make space for the centre forward or receive the ball what's he not good at time on the ball time to think right what I want you to do when you get the ball is get that cross delivered early make a decision do something snap decision doesn't matter if it's wrong all the time uh, doesn't matter if it's the right decision each time just make the decision don't run the ball out of play don't see that uh, ball for Murphy in years gone by I think he takes another three or four touches gets mm. to the byline ties himself in a knot either it goes out for a goal kick or he just he, he takes the shot too late he doesn't even think about it the instinct was right there as well so I'm going to try and hit him and he, he can deliver a ball my god can he deliver a ball yeah. the ball for Gordon's goal as well was sensational it's an unbelievable yeah. cross mm-hmm. th- th- these are two excellent deliveries where he hasn't had much time to think he just does it and I think that's what they've worked on with him look look, mate you, this is what you can do you can run you can create space and you can do it if we give you the ball head down towards goal cross get it sorted and he's he's really worked on that, and he's, he's running so smart. It's he's not just running around like a headless chicken again. I'd say two years ago, his job was to run, but it didn't seem to be very constructive. It didn't seem to be very methodical. It was just run. Whereas now he's he's timing those runs perfectly. Like he's he's catch. He's literally beating the offside trap every time. And it, it's just the, the improvement that what they must have been working on is so evident. And and as you say, does he's now a reliable first team player? You don't expect him to score, but when he scores and gets an assist. You're no longer surprised because he's 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 capable of it, mm. and I'll I'll bring Longstaff into this point as well because I think we're getting the best out of it. I mean, I love Longstaff; we, we all know that. But the things he does um, don't get enough credit. Like yesterday, he was clearly trying to be far more positive. Him and Bruno, to be fair, every pass they played was much more positive, much more forward. And again, it doesn't always come off. And you know, Longstaff isn't the best passer of the ball, but he was trying all the right things yesterday. And then he was pressing plays; he was making all the right runs. Very smart, very clever. And it's like they are honing what he's good at and making him better at those things. It's like, no, he's not going to ever beat 55 plays. He's not going to score loads of goals from 35 yards, but he will do the things that he's good at and he'll do them really well. And one thing I noticed about Longstaff yesterday is that he do, he is prone to committing a tackle a bit too early and, and maybe giving away a foul or, or doing something silly. Yesterday, I watched him quite a few times. He doesn't commit. He shepherds the player. player. So I, I can't remember who it was. One of the Crystal Powell players come down the left he shepherds him inside where there's midfielders and defenders. He doesn't actually commit. He just, he almost like manipulates the mm. way that they have to run and, and just gives us that protection to give other lads a chance to get back in. I just think he's a really smart midfielder. He's doing all the right things. And 
it's going. Uh, it's not going unnoticed. I think Longstaff's getting a lot of credit, M- much Certainly so from, from myself. You, yeah. But I'm just seeing so much improvement in these lads uh, to bring them up to the level of the players around them. And obviously, playing with players like Bruno and Trippier helps their case. But um, I should probably talk about Lascelles as well in this. But um, didn't really... I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Lascelles. I'll let you You're do that because he, he didn't have a lot to do. But he, he's but, also yeah. like <laughs> he, the things he's good at. You're seeing him, him do with yeah. much more confidence. So just just quickly on Longstaff from me because we we'll have to move on, but. I feel like when he first broke into the Newcastle United first team, he was a serious threat to the opposition goal, mm. both in terms of like, assists, um, you know, passes around the opposition box, crosses, shots, goals. There is talk of him being called up for England, and although England have got a couple of kind of world-class players in the field, there isn't loads below that. If Longstaff is now going to consistently be a goal threat and actually add goals and assists, it becomes much harder to ignore him. It's almost like a like it's a game changer for him personally in his career if if he can be relied upon for six to eight goals a year, for example, from midfield, kind of what he was bad at last season. That's three goals for the season from now so far. He only got into the team against, well, against someone. He didn't start the season of the team is my point. And I think back to when he, when he broke through and he, and he was man of the match against that Huddersfield game. We won 2-0 back in 2018 and he hit the crossbar and he scored that goal against Burnley um, at home as first goal for Newcastle. Like you say, like we said about Murphy's side, you know, it, it wasn't expected, but it wasn't a surprise. It is a surprise to me that's one natural long stuff has three goals this season. So if, if he can change that perception, I think from international recognition point of view, we keep, if he keeps scoring goals, it simply will be impossible to ignore him. Mm. We'll move on though. We're going to move to part three of the show uh, after some more ads back after these. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Bruno Guimaraes, obviously. But also, what about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I personally, Charlotte, love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force between Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash truefaith, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash truefaith now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash truefaith. So for part three of the show, I want to talk about Fabian Cher. Now, maybe we do this too much on these podcasts, talk about Fabian Cher, but like, <laughs> nah. I just feel, I just feel very strongly 
about his performances. And I wonder what Fabian Scher, ignore his age for a second, I wonder what Fabian Scher, in terms of the performances he's putting in at Premier League level, at Champions League level, would actually cost now because mm. it's got to be north of £50 million. Think about how important it is in, in, in good teams in particular to find ball-playing centre-backs who can help create chances, build attacks from the back. He can do it. He, what we've seen from Shaw this season, particularly kind of since the Botman injury, but before as well, his performances are flawless. Mm. There's, there, there's rarely a misplaced pass, and he's, he's pulling off some extravagant, complicated passes, breaking lines. The, defensively, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. He's a goal threat. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Anthony um, Gordon goal yesterday, he starts that, and then he, if, if the ball is like two, two yards lower... It's going in off his head in, into the net. The fact that he continues that run from from playing out from the back is for a centre back is extraordinary. He's just that good. He's been asked to play left side of centre back. How many centre backs, top class centre backs, are in the Premier League that can play both sides? And he's had to play there out of necessity. Jamal Lascelles, who will come on to, looks even better, like the best best Jamal Lascelles we've ever seen. I think that's down to, to Jamal, but also Fabian Scherer is doing a tremendous job of partnering with him. Yeah. I'm just kind of, I say I'm lost for words, so maybe I'll invite you guys. <laughs> like, this is, is this the best Premier League centre-back we've ever seen in the cast tonight? Amster, there are some other good ones, Woodgate and Colacini up there. People say, Albert, I didn't see much of him. But, but, but have they been this consistent? Have they been this good on the board? Have they contributed to such an offensive and defensive sense to the side? Wow, Fabian Scher. Have they got better and better as well yeah. with with all of the games being played and, and the, the his age going up? You know, I know you don't want to mention that, but it, it is worth saying. I think he's like 30, 31, is he not? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, this is, it isn't, it, it's really odd that two of our most strong, uh, two of our strongest players, Kieran Trippier and, and Fabian Chair at the back there are in their early 30s. That's quite unusual I think that and and they're not two of our strongest players in a in a weak squad this is a very very strong squad so um yeah I I think Fabian Scherer is amazing I think his work rate is amazing I really like watching him um like I I really like his decision making I like the difficult passes that he chooses to make I like that he can just he the difficult tackles that he puts in um he doesn't tend to pick up many yellows either I think that's a sign of a very good uh, a very good defender um and watching him, watching him, sort of, and I, I would love to talk about ourselves, but I, I'll let people talk about Cher first. Um, watching him like bed in to that back line is just, or like wherever he's being asked to play, it it just does look effortless. It's really interesting as well because this is a player who um, other managers haven't felt was good enough. Mm. Could only play in a back five. Was going to be let go on a free. Was going to be let go on a free. Um, and he's just improved, improved and improved. And he's, you know, he's consistently going out there, as you say, delivering flawless performances, um, you know, and, and, and has all of that threat. Um, and I think, the th- I think ultimately being able to, how can clearly spot a player, can't he? Because I don't know if you remember when we played, Brentford was the first game we played when Howe had COVID. Mm. And... Cher, Cher was the only player that had not been on the that had been away on international duty, but came straight into the side that day. And at that point, it was very clear. Yeah, that's the kind of player that you want. And that's the kind of player you want to work with. And he's built that, and he's built that confidence in him. And again, it's just it's brilliant man management, but it's brilliant coaching as well. I think um, Cher's main strength, uh, other than everything you've already described, is he's had to play with pretty much an unlimited number of different um, defences. He's, he's been part of back fives, like you say, Lejeune and, and Fernandez. 
uh, and Dummett at times. Uh, he's played on the right, played on the left. Um, he's he's had to adapt to just different squads, different managers, and he adapts to different games. So if it needs to be a really physical game, he can be physical. If it needs to be a, a game where he's clever and, and he's relied on to be on the ball lots, he can do that. If he needs to shithouse, my God, he's good at shithousing. Like the guy in football manager terms, he would be adaptability 20. He can adapt to any situation, <laughs> but he's just, he's, he's so brilliant for that alone. Like he can, he can do whatever you need him to do and he can do it unbelievably well. Jamal Lascelles, Charlotte, talk to us. Yes, Jamal Lascelles. It, it, it ties into the share conversation. It ties into this, this incredible defense. And it also sort of loops back to the unity conversation because the Jamal Lascelles, was dropped right for Sven Botman and Sven Botman's a technically incredibly gifted player and nobody including Jamal Lascelles was pissed off about that seemingly he's he's sat on the bench he's got yellow cards from the sidelines he's he's still you know been this incredible sort of captainly um presence in the squad but he he's only come in because of injury and he's come in and really shown how much he's advanced under Eddie Howe's tutelage um he I think in five appearances, he's he's kept three clean sheets. I know that that's part of the, the defense as a whole as well. But it's I, I just I just think we need to sing his praises. I think in the same way that um you know you were talking about Murphy, you were talking about Longstaff. These are the players from the before. These yeah. are the players from um from the championship se- season mm. where you, you you didn't really know if there was a place for them um a year ago, a year and a half ago when Eddie Howe took over you sort of thought, well, these are the players that are probably going to get moved on and that's okay. And then two years later, you, you see Jamal Lascelles on the team sheet for the first game that he came in for and you think, oh God, I think it was, was it the Man City? Yeah. And I was like, oh no, I'm like Jamal Lascelles against Man City and eating my words and happy to do so because his work rate is excellent. He's not seeing tons of the ball, but he's, 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 he is this big physical presence and, and he bothers, he bothers attackers. He, he doesn't let them through. And I, and I just, I just really, really just wanted to, to sing his praises here and, and spend a bit of time. This is, it's unheard of, I think. How many times as well has a player been out of the side for so right. long and then just come in and deliver the kind of performances that he has? Like, we, you know, we've said it for a while. We don't really know what kind of post-Eddie effect um, Lascelles looks like until now. And there's a reason why he's been kept around. There's a reason why maybe, you know, we didn't go, right, we need to just plug this gap with a right centre-back, which is, you know, what, you know, I think a lot of the Newcastle United community were talking about wanting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and personally, I'm glad because, you know, we've, yes, I think that's a position we'll certainly look to strengthen at some point. But I think it's it's again it's that long term approach. Actually, we're going to bring in a player that's on our list that we want to go for. We're not just going to plug this with a gap of, of somebody who can fill it for a couple of years. It's not it's not the way that we operate anymore. It's a proper football club. I think um, the the funny thing about Lascelles is that for years we've always identified that Lascelles with the ball at his feet is is his weakness. We don't want him on the ball, um, mm. and other teams exploit that. You know, if you close him down, he panics and he'll make a mistake. The weird thing about Crystal Palace letting him have the ball yesterday. Was that what's supposed to happen? Is that and he's not very good at passing, and he and he, he kind of that's where the mistake comes, and they can get in. But his passing was brilliant yesterday. Yeah. He was he was, was getting growing in confidence as the game went on. But he was pinging balls. He was getting them out of the wide. Like he didn't he didn't play a foot wrong yesterday. And I think that's improvement, obviously, but also confidence. This is what you get from Eddie Howe. He gives you the confidence. He gives you the belief to to actually be a really good footballer. And he's done that to all the lads we've mentioned. 
We have to talk about um, Borussia Dortmund on on Wednesday and how this result and performance feeds into that. I am loath to not mention Kieran Trippier from this performance because he is just he's he's another Fabian Schaaf for me, but maybe even better. But mm. we're running out of time. I think I think the guys on the the review podcast tonight on Patreon, where the, there's a second look at this game, uh, will cover him. So we'll leave leave him out of it for now. So you were keen to talk about essentially the the intensity levels um, during the game yesterday and how that relates to a simply huge fixture at St James's on Wednesday. Yeah, um, Ben, Charlotte and I in, in the stands at half time were saying, well, it's 3-0, let's make the subs now. You might as well just get Trippier yeah. off. Trippier, yeah. by the way, um, I, I know you, you just said, we're not going to talk about him, but very quickly, he took a <laughs> few big whacks, like a few big, um, basically him getting there first and, and getting fouled quite quite significantly. Uh, and he, he got up and he powered on. It's like, get him off, protect him, put him in a, in a bubble and keep him for Wednesday, and you're saying the same about Gordon, you're saying the same about Bruno. It's like, get the lads off at half time. this game is done. And I was really surprised by the fact that he didn't. He, he kept them on until, it was about the 69th minute, or yeah, roughly for the subs. Uh, that surprised me. He waited until we were 4-0 up, and then, and then made the changes, which I thought was interesting. But I suppose on reflection, the second half wasn't that intense, and we were able to just kind of control that game and play at our own pace. Uh, like you say, Palace started to get back into it a little bit, and then we scored, but... Um, the, the, the timing of the subs was an interesting one uh, and the subs being the spectacle it was because it was Tonali coming on, was it was a big event. But I thought what was interesting about that was, is, is that when the lads came on, again, if you, if you hark back to the, the, the olden days as we'll, as we'll call them, like if, if a Maximan was coming off the bench um, at, at 4-0 with a remit of just see out this game, don't do anything silly, we don't want any injuries, he would go silly because he'd want to <laughs> prove a point and he'd want to like prove himself. I'm, uh, I'm going to pick Tino Livramento in particular, who had chances to run down the wing with the ball, but chose not to. He'd clearly been told, no, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to try and score eight goals here. We just want to see out the game. We don't want to get injured. We want minutes. We want to just see this out and keep ourselves for Wednesday. And I thought the attitude of the players who came off the bench, Isaac as well, they're supposed to want to come on and prove a point and get themselves back in the team. I thought they all understood the remit there and just, just kind of played quite sensibly and made sure that that game was managed to the end without anyone getting hurt, without anyone getting booked. And I just think there's a great amount of, going back to Charlotte's unity point, everyone understands the job. No mm. one went off yeah. No one went off script. Everyone did that. And uh, the lateness of the subs made a bit more sense in that regard because, as you said earlier, Dodds, the, the, the intensity was kind of in our control. We could up it or, or decrease it as we needed and probably needed to stop worrying about when he makes the subs because everything just seemed to be perfectly done again. And yeah. I think... I think it shows a tremendous amount of maturity on the parts of those who came on as well. Like, like you say, not wanting to go silly, not one. It's it's a real, it's a real indicator of trust to me that those players know they're going to get their time. They know they're going to like mm. Livermento is only what nineteen years old. Like he knows he's got ample time in front of him, hopefully at this club to prove what he can do. He did a fantastic job against Man City, and and I was excited to see him come on again yesterday. Um. But it's 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 so mature at nineteen to come on and and not go silly and not be like nah I could I could run up the sideline here and I could I could try and get something. It just really impressed me. It's a it's a mark of a really good side I think as well where you're able to almost have that control to the point of the game where you're like right we're now going to go into gear three we're or two and we're just going to see this out and we're just going to make sure that things are comfortable we've got the result or at least we should have the result let's just not be daft with that and let's look forward to Wednesday night. If you look at Wednesday, it, it's a it's a massive game because if Newcastle can can move on to seven points with with three to play, it I think ten points almost certainly guarantees you um, 
progression, nine points would normally be enough. So Newcastle then need two points really from their last three. So if there was ever a game to throw caution to the wind, not in terms of the tactical setup, but in terms of levels of intensity, mm. in terms of kind of pushing players through red zones and stuff like that, that would be the fixture. Definitely not Crystal Palace at home. I think mm. the point about him not making the subs at half time yesterday is I think football managers are just that have managed an awful lot of games played in a lot of games as players will have been in games that they've been three 0 up and, and lost and as soon as if you come out second half and concede early the whole of the rest of the half then becomes complicated and I think it is almost just a, a sign of respect to the opposition mm. that we're not and, and the opposition would use that as well if they saw right that they, they think this game's over these lads I just think it's it's kind of classic game management yeah. and and I think these players as well they don't just want to play a half I think I think Bruno Gomez is, is more satisfied being taken off on 70 than the 45 um but yeah it, it, it's 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 a fantastic way for how to be able to prepare for Wednesday almost in game I know we have to record these podcasts and we love recording these podcasts but I always say after these results before Champions League games as a fan base even during the game yesterday and it might have said something about the flat atmosphere second half you are just like right this one's done yeah mm-hmm. like next mm-hmm. one we can think about the next one we can think about making plans for Wednesday and the ability to to win that game as we did and same against Burnley ahead of the PSG game um, those the PSG result is magnificent, the performance is magnificent, but I also think it's just that Burnley result and the preparation mm. sets it up so nicely, and I believe that we've put ourselves in this position to do the same again on Wednesday. And it's uh, it's nice, can't wait. It should be a tremendous night at St James's Park. We're going to be podcasting on this podcast straight after, as always, probably up between twelve and one because. We do the pod straight after and we don't go to bed until very late to get them out for you. <laughs> Love it. Thanks to you three for joining me. Really enjoyed your contributions. What a win for Newcastle United. What a season we're having. Fifth place and catching those above us pretty quickly. I'll leave it there. We're on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month and there's a link in the description to this podcast to join. Please come and join us. We'd love to have you along. Speak to you on Wednesday. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.